you're listening to the North Peace Roundtable podcast, your weekly podcast about theology and the Christian life. Well, here we are, yet again. Once again. As Welcome. you were saying that, I was like sitting breathing into the mic and I was like, well, I wonder if that comes through loud like, enough to <sighs> <the>, uh... <laughs> There is one uh, YouTube channel that I follow that he does that at the start of. Sips his coffee. Yeah, Steven Crowder. I don't know. Oh, yeah. He's like a conservative, whatever. Yep. But yeah, every episode is like, <laughs> ah, oh, that's good. <laughs> that's why I stole that idea. But thanks for tuning in. My name is uh, Andrew, and with me, as always, is Corlin. Hello, hello. And Cameron is no longer with us this morning. Yeah, in this room. He's still alive. Yeah. Um, but this is episode 89. We've decided <laughs> to start including the off-the-record episodes as actual episodes. We've been doing them consistent enough for me like, as well. Yeah, it feels good to be like, wow, this is... We've recorded it almost counts for 100 something. episodes. <laughs> yeah, so anyways, this is episode 89. And uh, if you're new to the podcast, we do usually have a third member and uh, we'll talk about questions that people have or different topics or things like that. But sometimes when we don't have a specific question or if, or if it's like, that's going to take 10 minutes to talk about, that's not a whole episode worth. Yeah. Then we're like, let's do these off the record ones where Corlin and I, because we both work at the church, it is, you know, we, we rib Cor- or we rib Cameron a little bit. But he does have a full-time job and kids and a wife. And it's a lot easier for me to be like, Corlin, come down the hallway and let's record an episode. Come here, slave. Yeah, because he's my apprentice and I'm (laughs) the master. (laughs) Anyways, so these off the records are, yeah, we each bring, you know, a couple. Sometimes, Most of the time, Corlin has more than me because... I'm not a contributor, so <laughs> <laughs> no. I as we discussed last episode, I'm just an overthinker. So then, random yeah. things make me think a long time about them, and then I have things to talk about. So. I know, and I'm bad. So I'll share this. Um, I am bad in every area of life about just like not remembering things, and even like my wife, I'll like share stuff about my day, <laughs> and then just like it's not because I'm like. You're not sharing deep enough. It's just because I like legitimately will be like, oh, yeah, right. And then and it's usually like important things, too. Like, yeah. Right. There. This guy came and met with me today. I totally forgot to say. So it's not just the podcast. <laughs> I, my brain is. I don't know what it is. It's, it's fascinating. Years to me. of skateboard injuries. Have, yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyways. Um, so, yeah, we are going to go back and forth a little bit and uh, talk about some things that have been on our mind. Hopefully it's edifying to you and useful. Who wants and to go first? Should we use our Urim, Urim and Thummim to see who goes first? Need, if you're house. new to the podcast, my bank card has served as our casting lots. Yeah. And it's worked pretty good. So <laughs> I think the Lord is, there's no money connected to the bank card. So the Lord hasn't blessed me that way. <laughs> but, but so, um, numbers side up. I go first. Okay. And, Meg Stripe, side up. You go first. Oh, the Lord has spoken. Corland, what do you got to talk about? I was hoping you'd go. No, I'm kidding. Uh, the first thing that I got to talk about, uh, this one is a, it could be a really heavy conversation depending on where it goes. Uh, but it was one that I came up with a, a little while ago, something that I was thinking about and just, it was like a curious thought. And then I was like, Oh yeah, that'd be a good idea to talk about. And I kind of wrote it down and I didn't think much else of it. Um, cause it gets talked about a little bit, but then just last night I came home and, and, uh, just some conversations that my wife had had in the last little while she had talked to people. And so the question 
that is is burning right now is why does God use hardships or struggles? Um, mm-hmm. And why as Christians do we say those are good things? And like, how do we navigate hardship as Christians? So I, I don't want to share any personal details, uh, not, not not about myself, but about other other people, but like just really, really hard things. So like uh, divorces in families, right? Like we yep. have, uh, we've seen that happen in our church, right? Where there's divorces that happen and then the children uh, struggle and the parents struggle yep. and the family around struggles or, or a death in the family, one that's unexpected. So like we've had a couple of deaths recently. Um, yeah, totally. And kind of the 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 whole gist of what we talked about at those funerals was like they ran their race well we can like yeah it's yes it's sad and it's it's horrible because we shouldn't die right like we know that there's something wrong there but also we know that they're in the presence of god and so it was like qu- quite a even in the sorrow there was like this element of like yes they they did it they ran their race well mm-hmm. but i'm talking more so about the stuff like uh a family member who's not a christian say they pass away or there's a suicide in the family like mm-hmm. those types of really hard things that just don't make sense to us how do we navigate those things how do we like walk through those emotions is it okay to be angry with god in those times like how Right. Like, what do we do as followers of Christ when that happens? And why does God use those things? Yeah. Welcome to the age-old debate. <laughs> yeah. Why does God allow or cause, depending on your view, uh, suffering in the world? And a lot of times, this is usually an argument that people use against Christianity. Because yep. it's like, okay, you say your God is all-powerful and he's loving and yet they're suffering in the world. Yeah. So the argument is usually like, well, either God is not all powerful and he is loving, but he's just not powerful enough to stop it. Or he's lo- or he, he is all powerful and he's but just he's not, not loving. Yeah. And usually it's presented as this like unanswerable question, right? That yeah. bad things happen. Therefore God either is mean or yeah. he doesn't exist. Right. And the Bible does give some answers, but it, it's usually answers that, because of lots of worldviews that we've bought into, we don't like, mm. right? Because we do view, the problem is a lot of times we view that God's job is to make my life easy. God's job is to heal me of every disease. God's job is to make sure mm. that I never experience pain. Yeah. Um, there's a great book by Tim Keller called Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering. And he says that, um, and I'm just like, it's a paraphrase, yeah. but he says that it, North America by and large is the only culture in the world that has this question of why do bad things happen? He says every other culture in the world, hmm. suffering and pain is just kind of like, it yep, happens. it happens. Hmm. And yet the North American dream of like, you should be rich and you should be healthy and you should have comfort, like go to a tribe in Africa and they'd be like, yeah, pain is just a part of life because Hmm. I don't even know if I'm going to eat tomorrow. So I think on one hand it is a North American thing where we go, it's not fair that I, I'm, I, and I don't want to minimize. Yeah. You you get what I mean? It is like, uh, and he shows a lot of research that says like every other culture in the world is just kind of like, yeah, we don't enjoy pain, but But it's it's a part of life. So anyways, that doesn't really answer the question. Um, I think, uh, there's this two two layered thing. Uh, 
pain and suffering and sickness and disease and is a result of the fall. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet you just read scripture and God also allows and also causes. Mm-hmm. I know sometimes we try and let God off the hook. Well, no, no, no. He doesn't. He never causes it. But I'm like, man, there are example after example after example where God says, I'm actually going to make that person sick. Yeah. I'm actually going to give that person a disease. I'm actually going to punish this whole nation with famine. So or, you can't. Or even an example as simple as when the Israelites are crossing the Red Sea and God causes the water to fall back onto yep. all the Egyptians. They had families yep. and people that loved and cared about them, right? Yep. So God allows and he also causes. Mm-hmm. pain yeah um so one it is a natural it is a natural consequence of sin a lot of times like yeah. so i'll use a if i go and sleep with prostitutes like how that's the example you always i always to. i don't know why it just seems like new the material most, it, Andrew. Looks, it, it looks <laughs> like it's the most drastic example i can think of but if i go and i you know that's just my thing and i get uh, sexually transmitted disease or AIDS, we wouldn't be like, why is God doing this? No, it's a consequence of you making really, really yeah. bad so that, decisions. That is one example of how hard things can come and God allows yeah. it. Yeah, and then there's times where, you know, it's it it's not caused by sin. And completely See, and you, out of your control. Yeah, and this is where we get we have, you know, charismatic people who say all... All sickness, all disease, all suffering is a direct result of sin. So cancer, there must fibromyalgia, be there has to be something, which I go, that's just not true. Yeah. Um, some is, sure. Like, yeah, if you, you know, have done drugs for years and years and years, and then you have migraines as a result. Okay, sure. That was a result of your really poor choices. Yeah. But to say like, oh, you got pancreatic cancer because you lied. It's like. That no, one time. That's that's not yeah. true. Yeah. That's ridiculous. So a lot of times, yeah, I think God or um pain is just caused by sin. It's this is the result of we made a mess of the world, right? Yeah. And yet there's a few passages that I thought of where God specifically uses that or causes that to um help us grow as believers hmm. to like sanctify us. Yeah. Um and then to also like, I guess sanctification is the main one. So second Corinthians chapter one, Paul's talking about all the junk that they went through. He said, we don't want you to be ignorant brothers of the affliction we experienced in Asia. We were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. So like, that's a pretty low spot. And, and you'll know that Paul elsewhere talks about, like, I was shipwrecked. I was given 39 lashes. Then you get bitten by a snake, too, or something. I was bitten by a snake. I was uh, stoned nearly to death. So he's listing all of this suffering. But then he says in 2 Corinthians 1, um, the second part of verse 9, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. So you go, why did God do all that stuff or allow that stuff to happen to Paul and his companions, his yeah. traveling companions? Because God wanted to teach them that you need to rely on me, not on yourself. Yeah. Because think about it, like the stuff that Paul was doing and the, the success he was having, it would be really easy for him to go, man, man. I'm pretty awesome. Yep. So God then in his sovereignty said, mm, snake bite, mm, being stoned. 
mm, being beaten yeah. as a way to go, Paul, you got to rely on me. You trust me. Yeah. So I think sometimes God, you know, he gives someone cancer, which yeah. I know people listening to me, God gives people cancer, maybe so that. Yeah. You learn to not rely on yourself. Like I think of a guy in our church that I saw this morning. He, you know, rang the cancer free bell or whatever. Oh yeah. Um, that they have at the cancer clinic. Yeah. And him and his family have gone through, it's been at least a year, maybe even more of surgery, chemo. Hmm. And you ask them, you talk to them or you see the things that they post and you go, man, their walk with Jesus is so much stronger than it was two years ago. Yeah. So what, so what do we do as Christians then when you're walking through those hard things and it's really hard to see that? Like, totally. Like there's one, like, uh, I think that some Christians would, would say like, yes, that's I, like, I know that. Um, but I, I guess what I'm trying to, what I'm trying to say is how do we as Christians present biblical truth without being cliche about it so i don't like <laughs> like i mean like if your mother died and i was like well life goes on god has a plan it's like well yes yeah but it's still really hard it yeah, still totally. sucks right so like how do we how do we practically meet christians in that way because i think that we i do think that christians generally like this is a huge generalization uh do a disservice to other followers of christ when mm-hmm. all we do is just push cliche like it's not that the it's not that the truth is false it's that the hope it's almost like it's an empty hope that we push but when it's like yeah well life goes on or uh, like it can feel like an empty hope maybe that's the wording that i should use so like sure. how do we how do we actually meet someone who's going through something really hard where they've lost a loved one and they see the hurt and pain all around them or or where they are struggling with the consequences of sin and and mm-hmm. they are like they understand factually that God is good. They understand that he is all powerful, but in their heart, they're just angry that God would ever allow this and angry at God that he would allow this. And then they're coming to talk. Like, how do we practically do that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is, that's a hard question. Cause I mean, yeah, you want to remind people of the truth. Um, and we need to be reminded of the truth. And yet I get what you're saying that if you're like, Hey, take heart. God has not abandoned you. Yeah. People could go, Oh, I know all that. And I'm like, okay, well I think there's an element where you just need to be reminded of it. Yeah. Uh, I think of Job and his three friends and his three friends gave him terrible advice, but I like at the beginning in Job two, they come, they hear about all this it says they hear about all the evil that has come upon him and they come and they made an appointment together to come to show him sympathy. When they saw him, they didn't even recognize him. They raised their voices and wept, tore their robes, tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads. And they sat with them on, on the ground seven days and seven nights. No one spoke a word for they saw that his suffering was very great. So I think there's an element where we talk about like bearing each other's burdens. And I've been trying to get better at this when people come with like, you know, a loved one just committed suicide. My wife just left me. My, I'm like, I don't need to give them answers right away. I can actually just like sit and cry with them and just be like, man, that sucks. Yeah. Let's just cry together. Like yeah. even recently there was someone that 
um, uh, a loved one of theirs had committed suicide and they came over and my wife and I just sat in our living room and it, it felt awkward because we're so used to like, I gotta say something. Yeah. But we just sat and like cried with this person and we didn't even say a whole lot, just hugged this person and was like, I don't even know what to say. Like this sucks. Yeah. This is awful. This is so hard. But I think, I mean, you. It's. I think that's probably the first step is just kind of like, we don't have to give, you know, here's the, here's what, here's the thing that I'm going to say that'll make you feel better. It's like, sometimes yeah. that doesn't help. Just sit and yeah. I be with them in their I think you're hitting the grief. nail on the head there, right? Is yeah. that we, when, when people come to us, I think as Christians, we do want to, we do want to push an answer of like, oh, well, God, this well, and yeah, I think you're right. Yep. We all Christians need to be reminded of the truth, no matter what their life circumstances are. Cause we forget very quickly. Um, mm-hmm. but even just at like the, the beginning of Proverbs 15 talks about a gentle answer deflects anger, 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 but, anger. <laughs> but harsh words make tempers flare. The tongue of a wise of the wise makes knowledge appealing, but the mouth of a fool belches out foolishness. Uh-huh. Right? Like, think about that if you're if someone has come up to you and they are in hardship and you just instantly just and and i mean this foolishly just shove cliches and and scripture down their throat and say there take that pill it's your silver bullet to feel happy now leave yeah well that's not i don't think that's how god has built us as humans to even interact with each other right i think being reminded of the truth gently is incredibly important and sometimes maybe harsher than others we need to be reminded um but yeah i i appreciate what you said is to just sit and and meet that person where they're at um and allow uh i heard somebody once say that like there was a story of a guy who got poisoned by an apple that he ate and when he went adam and eve nope Oh, wrong, wrong. That wasn't, we don't even know if that's an apple man, but anyways, uh, he got poisoned and he went to the doctor and he was like in incredible pain and, and suffering from this, from his circumstance. And he was like begging the doctor for something to like, just take it all away, take all the pain away. And the doctor essentially told him, and I mean, who knows how medical professionals will feel about this, but the doctor told him like, no, you need your pain because it will tell us if something's wrong. Hmm. Right. Because it wasn't it wasn't a life or death type mm-hmm. of pain. He wasn't mm-hmm. going to to pass out so they couldn't talk to him like they needed to be able to diagnose what was wrong. And so I think that when we as humans experience pain, whether it's in our heart or physically, but in this instance, in our heart, when things are wrong, I don't think that numbing our pain with scripture is what we should be doing in the sense of looking for a silver bullet to just instantly relieve us of that. Yeah, I think God has designed us to be able to experience those things so that we can continue to mourn and learn to trust him, right? Yeah. So that when he comes and intervenes, that that's when we can actually... Like it, it will click. Right. Yeah. So even Job was angry. Like he, mm-hmm. he cursed his own birth mm-hmm. um, cause of his circumstance. And like, he was right angry and his friends tried to intervene and yeah, they were dumb and how they did it. They really bad advice. Right. Yeah. Um, but who is it that got through to him? It was God. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think, I think it's okay to experience those emotions. I think even scripturally there's evidence in in Psalms. Have you ever read how back and forth David goes from mm-hmm. being afraid to Have you seen that meme? I'm okay. 
no, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that that is an okay thing. I think that there's a natural process that the human mind and, yeah. and our, our nefesh, our soul goes through when there's things that are hard. Right. So I think it's okay to meet someone there as Christians. If someone comes to you, I think it's important to sit mm-hmm. and listen, even if that listening means that there's silence. Yeah so that they know that you're there, right? Like you said, you didn't say much. You just cried with this individual. And I, I would say that that's probably said yeah. more to them than if you had just been like, well, you know, Jesus loves you. It's like, yep, it's good to remind them of yep. that. But if if you just awkwardly say that and then walk away, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. the the weightiness of that is lost then when there's yep. no follow through, right? So Yeah, yeah so I think theologically... The like two part of your question is, yeah, why does God, I mean, there is, there is mystery, but the Bible talks about God's sovereignty over everything, um, that he does cause and allow, Mm -hmm. uh, everything that happens. And yet there's also this kind of hand in hand thing where much of our pain and suffering is just because of our own sinfulness and the results of the fall and yet you get into trouble when you try and like lean too heavily on one of those things. Cause mm-hmm. if it's like, well, it's only cause of sin. Well, this is not true. And then you're diminishing God's sovereignty. But if it's, if it's the other way, then like, yeah, God does terribly evil things. So you have to kind of hold them, you know, hand in hand, which yeah. is really hard. Yeah. Especially when you're going through suffering. I know I've, it's like beating a dead horse by talking about my mom all the time. Like she's suffered for 15 years and I'm like, why? I don't know. Like nobody knows. Yeah. I don't know. But people have said to her, well, there must be sin in your life. Well, if you would have more faith, well, yeah. and it's just kind of like, no, God in his sovereignty has allowed this. And I think uh, caused it. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, I've talked with my mom and I think I've shared this in sermons and she says that if she could, she actually wouldn't change it. Yeah. And I, that's wild to me. I'm like, really? Yeah. And she's like, yeah, the things that I've learned and how my relationship with Jesus has gotten so much stronger, I wouldn't change it. This has been the best thing. And I'm like, it's, it's a oh, really man. hard concept to wrap our brains yeah. around. Cause it's something that even like I, but oh, you man. talk to most people who like, have gone through cancer who have, who are like on the other side yeah, or even just like have had enough time to go through it. Most people I talk to are like, yeah, I wouldn't change it. Yeah. Because maybe of, still don't understand why because of the things but... I've learned and the growth that I have seen, I wouldn't change yeah. it. Right. And so th- you might still not understand why those yep. specific things are the things that brought you to that. Like why God decided to use those things. But there is something to be said about that, right? So, yeah. Yeah, good question. Question number two, or topic Your turn. number two. No, we have to flip the room and throw So this is kind of from a conversation we had, was it yesterday or the day before? Me and you? Yeah. Ooh. But the idea of like cults Yep. and why, why do people get uh, so sucked into them? And then like, how do you 
help people get out of them. So I'll give a, a little bit of background when we talk about cults. Like, um, I shared that book with you that I read. You it's know, a disgusting. Reigning book. with Christ, uh, intercession, whatever it was called. Did you I burn it? It's like, have you seen that pile of shredded paper? Oh, you tore it up? I tore that book apart. Nice. But anyways, I read it. Someone lent it to me about the lent it, but then said, please destroy this when you're done with it. So, yeah. um, but it, we talked about intercession and like just how intercessory un- prayer, intercessory prayer yeah. and how grossly unbiblical it is to say that like, I can repent on behalf of someone as, else. As me, Corlin being like, Dear God, it's Andrew. Yeah. I'm sorry for this sin. So anyways, then, yeah. we read that book. I read parts of that book to you, and it's just like you said, it's, I feel sick to my stomach. Like, yeah, this is just so disgusting. unbelievably heretical. Yep. And yet, we have m- many people in our town connected to our church and other churches that would look at that and go, that book changed my life. And they're they're getting sucked the into worse, maybe. <laughs> well, I would say that that's cult ish, cult like, yeah, thinking, yeah, and this whole like super charismatic movement. Um, and then I played the that video for you where the guy was like, you know, sh- should uh, should a husband be able to tell his wife what clothes to wear? And his answer was like. Yeah, and she should answer yes, yes sir, or yes, Lord, or yes, Lord. Ugh. And so that's a cult-ish behavior on the opposite side, the yeah. very conservative, whatever. Yeah. And then actually, just this morning, I was listening to a podcast about a man named John Alexander Dowie, and he is considered to be one of the kind of fathers of the whole charismatic movement, and very connected with William Branham and Charles Fox Parnham and Oral Roberts, all of these guys that many, many people in the charismatic movement hold them up as like, these are unbelievable pillars of the faith. Like they were prophets and used by God. And so the guy that um, was on the podcast was in the cult of Charles Branham and he got out. And then he has done, he has devoted his life to researching these faith healers and exposing them as the cult leaders and frauds that they are. Yeah. And you just do a little bit of digging and you go, oh my goodness, this stuff is so twisted. But then you have literally Chris Valentin and Bill Johnson of Bethel, which people up here are like, Bethel is amazing. They've said in sermons, William Branham is an unbelievable man of God, and I wish I could have the anointing that William Branham has. Hmm. And you look at his life, and he was a cult leader. And yet we have probably one of the most popular churches in America saying, that guy was awesome. So my thinking is like, why do people get sucked into this stuff. Like, so I'll give you a few examples of why I'm saying this. Cause some people might listening be like, well, how do you know he was a cult leader? There's like verifiable evidence that he just scammed people out of money. He would, um, you know, it reminds me of, have you seen the movie, the music man? No, I have. It's like a musical from the forties or thirty or whatever it is, but yeah. he's like a, a traveling oil snake salesman, snake and, oil, salesman. snake oil salesman. 
but he goes into a town and he he tries to like and exploit a problem that they have and in the movie it's like oh you guys have a pool table that's evil you need to like uh form a a boys band and give me money and I'll order the the instruments and he's like stealing people that's essentially what these men did yep. they would yep. go from town to town to town John Alexander, uh, Alexander Dowie, he started by saying, I have this miracle potion that will turn any metal into gold. And then he like realized that that wasn't working. So he pivoted to being like, I'm a faith healer sent by God. Same kind of similar stuff of William Branham and Oral Roberts. Hmm. And then they're, they're plagued with financial sin, sexual sin. Yep. And yet, I mean, Bill Johnson, people up here love him. And he goes, I wish I could have the anointing like that guy. I'm like, really? Sheesh. So, um, so your question is why, why do, why, why do we, why are people so blind to like do, do 15 minutes of research and you would go, this is a sham. And yet, I mean, large swaths of the entire Pentecostal movement is built on these men. So I know I'm going to get into trouble for saying that because people, oh, you're being divisive. But you, who do Pentecostal and Charismatics point to as these are the founders of our faith? Those guys. Yeah. And they were all swindlers. Yeah. <laughs> I, so I guess my question, one, it just fascinated me, this topic of like, oh my word, like this is unbelievable. And yeah. then two, like how how can people be so blind to read a book like the book we read and clearly went, this is heresy. And yet Christians who have followed Jesus, I'm using air quotes, for years will yeah. read that and go, this is amazing. Like, yeah. why? Why does that happen, Corlin? Answer it now. I, <laughs> I wish I could. It It is. I agree with you. I think it's fascinating because often if I find somebody online, uh, come across some teaching or come across anything, if it's solid right off the bat, it's pretty, usually it's pretty easy to tell. Um, mm -hmm. If I have any questions about it, one, I usually will look into it and try and find scripture that points to whether or not they're accurate or not. Sure. The other thing is, is yeah, a quick Google search does a lot these days, right? Like even if legitimately yes. speaking, even if I was to Google search you or myself, there's a lot of information out there about us, right? Just because of the world that we live yeah, in. So let me, let me share. <laughs> Do you want to know the best? Uh, if you Google North Peace MB Church and you look at our, did you know you can review churches? We have 20 Google reviews. Um, this is the first Google review. Oh boy. One star. Ooh. By Ashley Brown. Sorry. Oh, I mean, name dropping. Whatever. They play their music very loud. This is when we were doing outdoor services. Oh, okay. To the point of it being obnoxious. The same songs repeated so loudly that I could hear it a block away. They were teaching lessons about women giving up their jobs for men and not wearing masks, not six feet apart. Nothing about this feels okay. <laughs> so I, I just, that made me laugh because I'm like, yeah, you could, if you just believe what that person said, then like I'm yep. up there teaching that women, you have to quit your jobs for the men. And I'm like, that's not what I know. We were in Zachariah that week. That sermon was, had nothing to do with that. Yeah. So anyways. So yeah, there's a lot of information. So start there as to why people don't. It's something that like with, Cults, and I, I'm going to leave it with that term. I'm not going to try and sugarcoat it. With cults, it's an interesting phenomenon where humans seem to be drawn to that kind of stuff. Yeah. Because even if you look at what, what was it called, Jonestown? 
Yeah. Oh, I'm glad you brought that up. So Jim Jones. Yeah. Um, guess who endorsed him? William Branham. There you go. One of the founders of the charismatic movement said, this guy's awesome. So if you don't know about Jonestown, just do a quick Google search. We're not going to cover it here. Yes. But do a quick Google search. Watch some videos on it. It's horrendous. And yet you look at people and they believed like instantly that this guy was telling the truth, that they, that he had their best interest in, in mind, mm-hmm. right? And you look at the condition of the leader and then you weigh that with some of the the Pentecostal founders and stuff and you're like, I you know, it's yeah. it's eerily similar. Yeah. So why? I think there's one there's a few things. One, humans are are drawn to displays of power. Supposed power. Yep. Supposed power. Yep. If if somebody is like, hey Look at this. Here's power. A couple of really quick examples off the top of my head. Why do we have CrossFit games that people sit and watch? If it was just a competition of the athletes, then let the athletes compete and who cares who wins, right? Why are you watching this when you like, there's compilations of like the heaviest lifting in the world. There's drag racing, which car has the most power. Oh, that's amazing. There's, you know, faith healers where that's like, I have the power to do this. And people are just jaws on the floor, at the possibility of this power, this incredible thing that, that fits. So I think that's one. Um, and so we, as sinful, sin filled nature people that with sinful natures, we as people are drawn to false gods in the sense of anything that has any resemblance or semblance of power we are drawn to. So when a faith healer comes and says, Hey, You've had this issue. I can fix it if you do this, yeah. right? Yeah, and I think to like I like what you said. Yeah, we're we're people are drawn to. There's got to be, and we've talked about that. There's got to be more than just yeah. like reading your Bible and obeying Jesus and yeah. serving Him. There's got to be more. I got to yeah. see people raised from the dead, and and then when you have someone who's like, and the the scary part is all of these guys were very very smart. Yep. And very, very manipulative. Yep. And they're con men. They know they know how to manipulate people. So it's like anyone. It's like any of the old traveling con men. It's like you see a need. You see that people are super interested in that. And then you have a traveling guy that comes in and says, I see miracles all the time. I've raised yeah. people from the dead. And they go, well, why would he lie? Okay. Yeah. And then yeah. they go. And, and, then, and then they fabricate things. Um, one of the stories was... Um, uh, William Branham got in, in trouble because he claimed that he could, he healed this girl in a wheelchair. And then the same girl was showing up at, at every event on his traveling tour and she's paralyzed again. And Oh, I, I healed her. And she was just a plant. She was someone that worked with him and people who were at multiple events said, I just saw you heal this girl at the previous one. So they're just like really smart. And yet people, we get sucked into like, oh my goodness, there's yeah. a girl who was crippled who can walk now. Wow. Yeah. And you're right. We're just, we're drawn to, that's why people like magic shows. We're like, how did he do that? That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, so there's even evidence of, of people like Benny Hinn. Sure. Um, where there was a guy with, uh, I think it's scoliosis is what he had. Anyways, he walks with crutches. He's a relatively well-known uh I would I Justin would, Peters. Yeah, Justin yep. Peters. That's the exact name. Yeah. 
Uh, and he went to walk up to go get healed because he and was he like, would, I, I, I got to do this. And Benny Hinn's team actually intercepted him yep. and was like, actually, just go pray for healing on your own. Yep. Instead of inviting him onto the stage yep. where they show no actual physical deformities. Just recently, there's a video of Kenneth Copeland uh, pushing a guy over yes. in a wheelchair and telling him to get up and walk. And of course, the guy can't afterwards. Yeah, totally. Uh, and so then Kenneth Copeland gets his team. He's like, help him up, help him up. He's just he's so fine. filled he's with the spirit. Fine. Yeah, totally. And then the, you can tell the camera pans away so you can't see that guy, but he wasn't yep. healed. Right. Yeah. And so these faith healers are... are they are con men, right? So something that I, I think there's a couple of things that are important to, to remember with this just to, on a practical level. Uh, oftentimes con men are put out there as I, there's kind of two camps is what I've been noticing. One is they're incredibly uneducated. So how could someone of no education do these things? And second is they are highly educated and have tons of experience. Look at what they can do. Yeah. There isn't really a middle ground when it comes to those things. It's just the two camps. Um, and I, I just want to say, like, have you ever watched something or someone that you would consider like uneducated? So even, even if you look at octopus, they're incredibly smart. They don't even have a brain, right? Like they're incredibly smart. I've seen people in our society that on average, most people would consider not smart. They haven't made good life choices, X, Y, Z. I have seen them successfully con tons of people hmm. right even if it's just for small amounts but those small amounts add up right mm -hmm. so like education means nothing as to how sure how uh i don't i don't even know what term to use for it but just how smart people are to actually yeah. get what they want right humans are incredibly smart yeah. at those things so don't just believe those types of lies yeah. oh how could they do this it's got to be a gift from god it's like no, no. they they're they know just, what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, they they know. I think another reason why people get sucked into that is that um, it's the there's a there's a name for it the Stockholm syndrome. Hmm. It's and it, they use it. It's not about faith healers, but they yeah. use it about people who have been like kidnapped and treated terribly by people hmm. that they begin to actually care about like defend that the people that who have you know it's beauty yeah. and the beast so yeah. she's captured by the beast and she ends up loving him it's stockholm yeah. syndrome yeah and i've seen that lots of times with like um teachers in the christian faith that have done just terrible atrocious things it's like we'll defend them because it's like uh, well i've just I've been to those events and I was touched. I felt like by the Holy spirit through them. And yeah. there was even in the podcast I was listening to this morning, there's a Pentecostal historian who says, you know, William Branham and these other guys. Yeah. They're not good guys, but God used them. So we should just kind of like be okay. Let with it, it slide. And yeah. I go, do you realize what you're saying? That that's like, that's horrendous to say, yeah. no, we yeah. should not be okay with them. Because yeah. they sometimes did crazy sexual things to hurt people. Yeah. They frauded, defrauded people out of millions of dollars. And to go, well, well, <laughs> we all make mistakes, which I get. I mean, yeah. I'm a pastor and I sin. Yeah. But if I was like embezzling money from the North Peace Church. and You then, should not maintain your then, role. Yeah. And then, you know, being a, a sexual predator with, with women in our congregation, no one in the congregation would be like, well, he's a really good preacher, though. Yeah. It's like, no, he should be in jail, right? Yeah. So I think sometimes we just get so blinded by by the personality of the person that we go, well, I mean, sure, okay, 
not everything about his life was good. Like, yeah. so let's just turn a blind eye. It's like, no, you shouldn't do that. Right. Yeah. But, but we, I find myself doing that. Like l- lately, some of the stuff that Tim Keller has been saying, I just go, oh boy, I don't know if I agree with that, but I've noticed myself to be quick to like, well, did he mean it like that? Uh, and then we've talked about that with yeah. like, um, uh, the Tim Bible projects and yeah. people have said, what has he said about hell? And we've been like, well, and we, we all do that cause we're human. We're very quick to yep. defend people who yep. we like. Right. Yeah. So already I've like, I, I think I've bought every Tim Keller book that he's written so far, but as I'm reading some, I don't, I don't know if I would buy it. But see, I think, I think that's a healthy, it's a healthy step to take those moments of, I don't know. Yeah. I need to consider this. Right. But I'm saying, saying like most people don't do that. Yes. It's yeah. just kind of like, well, I guess I've it's always okay. listened yeah. to his stuff. And then I think biblically, um, God allows this. If you want to talk about why do people fall for this stuff is yeah. that on one hand, it's a form of judgment. God allows this to happen. I mean, I was just flipping through first Timothy and second Timothy and Paul talks so much about false teachers like first Timothy four. Now the spirit expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and the teaching of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. I find it interesting that Paul says people are going to be swayed through the insincerity of liars, which I'm like, Hmm. Charles Fox Parnum and William Branham, they were liars. Yeah. <laughs> and then you read a little bit uh, uh, in First Timothy chapter 6. If anyone teaches a different doctrine, doctrine and doesn't agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus, he's puffed up with conceit, understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words. And then he says, um, they're depraved in mind and depraved of the truth imagining that godliness is a means of gain anyone who's like yeah hey, pay for my pay for my teaching pay for my private jet private yeah and paul says like anyone who thinks that godliness is a way to get rich don't listen to them right and then you get into second yep. timothy and it talks about um godlessness in the last days that um people are going to sorry i'm just trying to um, yeah, they won't endure sound teaching. They'll have itching ears and they'll accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and they'll turn away from listening to the truth and they're, they'll wander off into myths. And then he says, as for you, always be sober minded, endure suffering, do the work in evangelist. So I think on one hand, why do people get sucked into that? Because God allows them to. Yeah. And I think, I think, and even practically speaking, uh, that goes hand in hand with God allows them to, is we believe that scripture is the final revealed word of God, complete and perfect mm-hmm. to make every person ready for the good works that God has before them after they have become wise unto salvation through Jesus Christ by faith alone and Christ alone. Uh-huh. And people don't read it. Yes. That at was, all. That was one of the, in the podcast this morning, this guy who was in the it's called the message that was the cult that William Branham started. And he yeah. was in that his grandfather was one of the pastors in that. And he got out. Yeah. And one of his comments was, he says, it blows me away. The number of Christians who do not read their Bibles. Yeah. So now don't, don't hear this by uh, like, don't think that we're saying. So as a Christian, you have to read your Bible 24 hours a day, no. every day of the year. Like 
I think we do that, right? When we, if sometimes we hear Christians don't read their Bibles, you don't want to be fooled, read your Bible. And then we're like, I only did my devotions twice this week. I have to make sure that I'm reading like for seven hours a day. Otherwise I'm going to like go. No, God, God is sovereign. God is powerful. If you are saved, then you are saved. But it is something to say that if you, if you pick up your Bible two times a week, like you're like statistically speaking, you're exposing yourself to a lot more other information probably then rather than scripture. Right. Yeah. Just, just on a basic of mathematics and human conscience, you're probably more likely to be swayed. So yep. spend more time in the scriptures, even yep. if that is reading a chapter a day, even if it starts with five verses a day, do something right. Yep. Like get into the word. If you want to know if someone is swindling you or if they're telling the truth, Yes, there are, once you know scripture, it doesn't excuse you from getting in, out of the mm-hmm. habit of reading it. But once you know it, there will be things that yeah. like, if you're out on the street and somebody says, Hey, if you just give me $5 and have enough faith, I can heal you. You'll be like, eh, no, no I know. That sounds like godliness for gain. Yeah. No, thanks. Yeah. So that yeah. doesn't mean that then you have to be like, well, let me go read my Bible for a year before I answer. Yeah, you. Yeah, it's yeah. like, well, no, you can know what scripture says, but how do you know that? By being in yeah. scripture. And the right? hard part is that all of these men and even today, uh, people that I would say are false teachers, um, they use scripture. That's the hard part. Yep. So it's actually learning how people twist scripture to to make their their points seem Christian. Yeah. So I'll give you an example. Um there was a pastor or er, I can't remember if it was a pastor or a traveling preacher or blah, blah, blah. But from this area, they gave a whole message about how, you know, there's the logos word, which is the Bible. But then in Greek, there's the word rhema, which also means word. And that's like a secret word that God gives to you. So his whole point was like, the logos word is great. The Bible's great, but we all need to hear the rhema words. And so just think of the average person sitting in the pew right um who hears that would go okay well it's greek words i don't know i don't know greek a special like, revelation and God is what sounds I mean. sounds right but if you like i i listened to that whole message and then i was like something seems off so i just kind of did a a little word study through some Bible software. Okay, where do, where's Rhema used? Where's Logos used? Yep. Is that true? Word study, yeah. And I found that the word Rhema and the word Logos are just used interchangeably for yeah. the same thing. So it, an example is in Ephesians 6, talking about the armor of God, right? Uh, and then Paul gets to, um, in verse 17, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So word, the word of God, you would assume, okay, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, that would be logos, right? The Bible. And it's not, it's Rhema. Yeah. So you go, okay, so Rhema and logos are just used interchangeably. Yeah. But here's a guy that gets up and says, you can read the logos, but have you received the Rhema word of God? And you all go, oh (sighs) man, that sounds right. Yeah. So it's learning. I think, I think this is part of like what discernment is. It's learning the word of God enough that you go, something seems off. I'm going to do a little bit of study. I I can't quite put my finger on why this seems off, but I'm going to do a little bit of study. And usually you can find out, 
Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, it's That's... not just being tossed to and fro with everything no, that you yeah. read. And the other, uh, a good thing to remember too is when people come forward and they're saying, I have a revealed word from God. I have special insight. You can have special uh-huh. insight. The word is great, but let's get deeper. Let's go. There's got to uh-huh. be more. Uh-huh. Uh, th- my go-to with this that I always remember when people talk like that is Hebrews chapter one. Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. Yeah. That's that's where you can end it. What Jesus has said, what the word says mm-hmm. is final. Mm-hmm. We don't need to go looking for mm-hmm. supposed prophets to reveal to us who God is or or what his will is. We know yeah, totally. it's here. It's final and complete. Yeah. So, yeah. And then the other thing is like how if, if you're listening and you know people who are stuck or are blinded, it can be very like overwhelming going like you're on a path of like destruction. You're, you're buying into things that are against Christianity and that are heretical and not true. Um, how do you, how do you reach people like that? Or how do you, and I, uh, I've always said it's so hard to reach people who are stuck in that kind of stuff because they're trained by false teachers with responses, with responses that are, you are quenching the spirit. You have a divisive spirit. You have a religious spirit. So they're trained by false teachers to give a response. Anytime, it's like false teachers and con men want you to suspend all critical thinking. Yeah. Because as soon as you think even a little bit critically, you you'll quench go, the spirit. wait a second. Well, no, if anyone actually does that, most people would go, wait a second, this is such this is bogus yep yep so false teachers are like don't think critically because don't be divisive you're quenching the spirit that's the unforgivable don't think just so then they threaten you with essentially hell if you ever question things and then that's like you know we joke about like being programmed it is you are being programmed then if your loved one come and says hey i'm really worried about this then it's like the automatic response is you have a religious spirit you have a critic so I think the main thing that you can do is pray for people. God is the one that has to open people's eyes and yet still be bold. Be prepared to, do, to, sh- to share exactly. defense, yeah. right? Give a, give a reason for what, why you believe what you believe. And then there's a passage in 2 Timothy 2 that I really like. Um, he says, uh, he, he's talked about people who are, you know, they're led astray. They, they, uh, it leads more and more people into ungodliness and they swerve from the truth. And then he says, the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone able to teach patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth. And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil. So Paul says like you as a servant of God, your job is to, endure evil so when they slander you and you're just a pharisee and blah 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 you're just gentle you water endure, off a duck's back. you endure evil you teach them and then you pray god would you open their eyes and i love that it, paul says god god may give them repentance and they may come to their senses yeah and escape from the snare of the, the devil and so you have people that all of a sudden it's it's exactly that it's like the blinders are removed and they come to their senses and they go Wait. What have I been believing? Like, yeah. So I think prayer and then just consistently 
put be in faithful the, to yeah. share the truth totally right but you can share the truth gen- gently totally. and i don't mean that to say that you you're rolling over onto your like to show your stomach and be like oh, oh this is the truth <laughs> the truth is bold so so yeah. chances are even if you're sharing it gently they probably like there's a good chance that people will respond poorly to it because yeah you know the gospel i i once have heard it said that the gospel is offensive because it deals with our offenses totally right so when we when you say that someone's done something wrong our natural human reaction is what N- no it, uh, like find a reason that Mm -hmm. it wasn't them right i mean pattern from the garden of eden all the way into now so that Uh, podcast maybe we'll end with this that podcast that i was listening to was phenomenal so it's called cultish yep so i would recommend it i i know they're connected to apology at church which i don't agree with everything that you know jeff durbin and apology at church teaches Mm -hmm. so i'm not giving like an endorsement with for everything that they teach is amazing but i've listened to a few episodes and i've actually really enjoyed they bring in people who were literally in these cults and who got out and then who have devoted their lives so so if you're interested in that yeah you should listen to it um i would recommend at least that podcast podcast called cult yeah it's quite quite an interesting it's podcast. Quite an, they do a good job of fleshing out those those pieces of information uh relatively generally y- yeah so, so that that's sense. where i've been listening and that's just been kind of sparking my interest and then yeah we just have i've met with people and we have a growing number of people in our community that are buying into cult if it's not a cult well it's cult adjacent yeah <laughs> right it's yeah and they're being blinded. And so that's yeah. why it's been on my mind lately. Like, man, how do you reach people like that? Yeah. So, so yeah, if you're looking for another person who says something along the lines of what we were saying, Paul Washer has an interesting comment. I can't remember what the interview is called, uh, but somebody was like, yeah, I'm a new believer. My family's not. And they keep asking for evidences. They keep blah, blah, blah. How do I like convince them that, that the Bible is true? And Paul Washer said, you know, it's always good to have an answer, but what matters most is that they come to know Christ. Yeah. Share the gospel. Yeah. Right. So when people are, yeah, it, it's not wrong. If somebody comes and asks about head coverings or faith healing or any of those types of things, totally. it's not wrong to have an answer. Uh, but the focus should be the gospel. Yeah, if totally. they are asking these questions because they've been stuck in a cult like this. And if you, which we should for everyone, if we are questioning whether or not they know Jesus, we should share the gospel with yeah, them. Right. Totally. So, Start with that. Don't don't freak yourself out by not knowing if you have all the answers. Share the gospel and go from there. Yep, totally. Good word, brother. Well, I think we got time for one more topic. One more. We had one response from someone who was like, the episodes can never be too long. So I'm how, like, how long have we been recording already? 55 minutes. Ooh. So we'll, we'll, I know you have a few, but we'll give All maybe right. one more. Sure. So this is one uh, that I actually ran into. Somebody, it's funny how uh, I would say that God does these things. I mean, obviously we've talked about his sovereignty today already. Uh, but I had somebody this week, this is a question that God sent in, but we decided to, to record it in one of these off the records. Cause we didn't know if it would cover a full episode with cam, Andrew and I talking about it just cause 
I mean, we can beat a dead horse for a long time after it's there, but it's better to, to have a good fleshed out answer and then continue yeah. on. And we just didn't want to, to make it like a, what if it was a 15 minute episode and then we're sitting there like, uh, what do we talk about now type thing? Yeah. Um, so we're answering it here, uh, but it's something that I actually ran into this week at youth. Somebody asked a question along these lines. Um, and I was talking to one of the leaders after and I was like, man, I like, I dislike having to answer these questions. It's not because I don't know the answer. It's that it in our human interaction with each other, it's harsh. So the question is essentially how, if you are a Christian, do we talk to non-Christians about their non-Christian families or how do, if we're Christians, do we talk to other Christians who have non-Christian family where they will end up for all eternity? Um, so the example is, as I was teaching youth and we were talking about, uh, right now we're going through false religions, uh, and just, we're trying to really well present what they believe so that we can actually critically analyze them against scripture and say, well, like according to scripture with their set of beliefs and what they try to say, what, like, are they even Christians? Where would they end up? Like those types of things. Mm -hmm. Um, and so the question was raised by someone, they were like, Hey, I have a family member who, who is in this, uh, sect of Christianity. Are they going to heaven? Hmm. It's like, man, like I think something that the first thing that came to mind for me is I think sometimes we forget what circumstances people are at in life that would even bring them to a question like that. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think there are some people that answered just way too abrasively. It's not that they aren't sharing the truth. It's just that it's unnecessarily abrasive when they share it. Sure. Um, because we forget where people are coming from that would even bring them to a point to ask a question like that. Yep. Um, so yeah, basically the question is how as Christians do we talk about these things with people, right? How do we graciously navigate these conversations while not being afraid to share the truth, right? We mm -hmm. we know that salvation is through Christ alone, by faith alone, by grace alone, Yeah. right? So how, if somebody doesn't believe that, do we tell somebody that they're wrong, that their eternity is in jeopardy, so to speak, that mm -hmm. they are, that they have given up their, their right to be with God for all eternity. What if they don't even believe that there's God and eternity to be worried about, right? Like sure. how do we actually like, like practically do these things? I think, yeah, I don't know if there, if there's any scriptural uh, evidence, not off the top of my head. Can I think of a conversation where somebody came up to Paul and was like, Hey, my grandpa doesn't believe this. Where's he going? Yeah. Right. But we know the answers to these things. So yeah. how, how do we practically navigate that? Yeah, I think um, if uh, yeah, if it's it, talking with a non-Christian, so if a non if a non-Christian is asking you like, where do you think I'm gonna be when I die? And Cam like texted it, and it it was kind of in a joking way, but he's not wrong to begin by going like, why why do you care about that? Yeah, if you don't believe in God then who cares? Like obviously do it in a, you know what I mean? Yep. But that's a really good question. When people are like, I'm a, I'm a non-Christian. I don't believe in God. Where do you as a Christian think I will spend it's a trap. after I die for you to respond by going, why does that question bother you? Like if you don't believe in God, then 
who cares? Like, yeah, who cares? And if you say so, you don't care what I think, then yeah, who cares? Yeah, then why? Who cares where you spend if, after you die? Because you don't believe in any of it. So like, I want to make sure that we clarify: it's not that we're saying that we don't care. No, right? It's but it's a good to put it back into their into their corner, saying yes, like, yeah. why does that question bother you? Yeah, and so. But, but I think you can like it's no matter how you answer this question with a non-Christian, they'll be offended. So because we believe that unless you profess faith in Jesus, in his life, death and resurrection and that he is Lord, then you will spend eternity in hell in yeah. eternal punishment because you've rejected the son of God. I think no matter how you say that. That's offensive to yeah. somebody. So, so I've, I've even had experiences in my life already where people have come to know that that's what I believe. And like in the middle of public, even government, buildings, yeah, right. I've had people come and be like, oh, you still believe that? And it's like, yeah, I don't think I that it's your answer. I don't think that yep, it's wrong. As you walked out of the Yeah. Like, yeah. and at that point in time, there's no sense in creating a huge, massive yeah. ordeal, right? Because it doesn't, it does nothing to spread the gospel if you're creating those types yeah. of situations. I think it depends on how, what is the person's attitude as they ask. If they're genuinely like, I don't know where I'm going to spend eternity. Then that's probably a conversation then you should let's have. let's talk about like, well, it's not about being good. It's not about that I'm better than you. It's no one deserves eternity with God yeah. in heaven. And yet, look at what Jesus has done. So that's different so, than someone coming and say, oh, what, you think I'm going to be in hell? Like, the person's yeah. attitude is vastly different. Yeah. And I would say to use wisdom in whether you engage with people who are just angry and yeah. want to get a rise and, out and of you. And how you would engage. Because, yeah. like, I mean, in that scenario, had I just, like, walked away and and like whatever you know i don't know that that would have been the right thing either right so yeah. wisdom and how to engage is a very good thing now to... then the so it's interesting i've done i've done a bunch of funerals in my day and i've done a handful of funerals for people just in the community who are not by any stretch of the imagination believers like the whole family. as far as we know the anyways, whole family for sure, yeah and well i know because specifically they're like we don't want to hear anything about God. Well, there you go. And then yep. part of me is like, why did you call me to do this? Why funeral? did you call a pastor? So anyways, that's yep. besides the point. They're grieving. So I don't bring that up because I think that's rude. So, but I, I, in all those funerals, I never give false hope. Yep. I never say, well, so-and-so's in a better place. For all I know, they could be in a worse place. Yeah. So in that moment, what I try and do is focus on the fact that God comforts those who are mourning, that God is near to those who are in pain. Yeah. And I try and really make the gospel unless, and families have said, I don't want to hear anything about that. I want you to read Psalm 23 and say a prayer and be done with it. I'm like, okay. We don't want to hear anything about God. Read the Bible. Uh, though. Yeah. So, right. but there are times when I've tried to be like, you know, in the midst of pain, God is real and he wants to comfort you. And I'll, I will say very little about the dead person. Yeah. Right. So I think uh, Christians, we never want to give the, the idea of false hope that like, oh, it doesn't matter how they lived. It doesn't yeah. matter what they believed. Yeah. They're in heaven. It's like, no, most likely. Yeah. If they've never professed faith in Jesus and their life never showed fruit 
of a profession of faith, most likely they're in hell. Yeah. And again, I know people say we can't make that call. I agree. I have yeah. no idea what happened before they died. But, but there's saying, evidence. But I'm saying most likely, yeah. based on evidence, yeah. I'm not going to say they're in heaven because most likely they're probably not, right? Yeah. So that's really hard no matter how you say it. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So the person who's like, I'm a Christian, and I had this recently. There was a lady, recently, probably six months to a year ago, but there was a lady who's like, my family is involved in this other thing, and a, a Christian soft shoot yeah. which is a cult yeah are they gonna go to heaven and i just had to go the bible's really clear you need to profess certain things to be saved and right now your family members are denying those things so let's pray that god opens their eyes but as of now i would say they're not christian they're not followers of jesus yeah so as best we can tell so i, I never want to be like oh i'm sure it's fine it's yeah. just like as so, hard as that is to hear, like, yeah, probably not. Yeah. So we, yeah, it's a good example that you gave there. Cause even for me, I, I had this interaction at youth and the interaction was such where it's, it's awkward to answer. It's not totally. like, it's like, Oh yeah, I love this debate. It's of like, course not. I don't like talking about that because it's hard, right? No, it's not, no one should enjoy talking about hell. It's awful. Yeah. Like, but they are, there is an element of if someone is genuinely coming forward with a question and they're actually curious and they want an answer and you can have a dialogue, then yeah, speaking the hard truth is important, right? Yeah. But we can do so gently. And and I like what you said too is, and this is the, the angle that I approached it from too is, so they like, as Christians, we know what it means to be a follower of Christ. Mm-hmm. We've, we've studied that lots. We know what it is if they think that it's anything where it's maybe a bit of that plus something else, hmm. they're wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So then what we do, no matter, no matter what that plus is, if it's Jesus plus uh, crossing your chest correctly makes you a Christian. No, it doesn't. Yes, right. Right. If it's Jesus plus baptism in this certain way, no, it's, it's not that right. Like no matter what you believe those things, we know the gospel so we can know by actions and stuff with a certain degree of certainty. Yeah. Um, and so then, yeah, the angle of saying, but God being rich in mercy, mercy with his great love can save them. Yes. So let's pray for them. Yes, right. Totally. I, and then share, I usually share examples um, as a, as a means of comfort in that hard tension of like, I know stories where people have been on their deathbed and accepted Christ. Sure. And the fact that they do it then means no less than if you did it when you were five. Yeah, totally. Right? So so remember that. Be patient. Trust God with it. He's sovereign. What do you think about Don Bandman? He prayed for his dad for decades. Like a hundred years or uh, something? Yeah, because he's old. <laughs> but he, he prayed for his dad for literally decades. Yeah. And his dad became a believer like six months before he died. Yeah. And you go, praise God. But for decades, it was like, why won't yeah. he believe? Yeah. And again, I'm not giving you false hope that as long as you pray hard enough, they, they'll believe. They'll come. No, but it happens, right? Yeah. Like Don and his mom and his family, they were praying. Yeah. For faithfully. Yeah. And so, God did a miracle. So the okay. idea of sharing those stories is not to give false hope. It's to show, hey, God is sovereign. He knows yeah. the plan for their lives. Yes. He He... If it's in his will and if these people choose him, then they will be saved, right? So totally. pray that they would do that. Yeah. 
That's good. It's a fresh word, bro. <laughs> nah, it's not fresh. It's old. It's like 2,000 years old. Well, this has been episode 89. Uh, Thank you for joining one us. One hour and seven minutes. We're just long-winded. But hopefully that's been helpful and interesting, at least. And if you do have... Um, questions or whether it be about scripture or the Christian yeah. life, whatever it is. I think one of the things that we're going to do starting October is we're teaching a theology class on Tuesday nights. So one, anyone who's listening is welcome to come Tuesdays from seven to eight thirty, And Corlin and I are kind of tag teaming and taking turns teaching different weeks. But then I think what we're going to do is starting in October is on the Thursday, do like a follow up, anything that we missed on the podcast. So yep. we'll start. Um, I think the first theology class is October 4th. And then, so starting October 6th, uh, we'll have more of a, I don't know, structure because it'll be like, okay, we talked about the atonement on Tuesday. What did we miss? And what questions came up that we couldn't answer? So I think it would be really cool if you listening, you came Tuesday and then you listened Thursday. Cause that's going to give you the, the like fullest I experience experience. I hate that, <laughs> <laughs> but yes, you're right. The fullest amount of teaching around these like theological yeah. topics. So but something then, to look forward to. And yeah. now to get to access Corlin and I's theology, it's only eight ninety nine per week. Uh, if you want to access our theology, <laughs> go buy yeah, a Bible. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Speaking of swindlers, for a low fee, you can come and I'll teach you secret. <laughs> oh, man. No, but in, in all seriousness, if you want access to our theology, go buy a Bible. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully you come starting October 4th. And then that's just a little preview of what's coming up in the podcast. So make sure you subscribe, tell your friends, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>